that nomenclature of Sunday school or life group or small group, you know, whatever nomenclature we want to call it, one item that is indicative of healthy churches is they have some small group uh, element that connects people together organically and in some community, and there's an accountability where they are studying God's Word, growing and developing more disciples. This is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Dr. Ron Hunter, and we're going to have a great conversation about family ministry. So, Dr. Hunter, welcome in the Charisma Podcast Network. Oh, Dr. Green, it's an honor to be with you guys. What a, as you and I talked before we got on the air, what an incredible lineup of guests you have. I'm not sure why you asked me on, but, but man, I'm humbled to be here and look forward to the conversation. Well, I think our our listeners are going to understand why you're on real real quickly. Uh, First of all, you're operating as the CEO of Randall House Printing. And why don't you just give us a background of what your company does and the kind of material you print? Absolutely. We're a publisher. And as a publisher, we're a Christian publisher. We do three major things. We publish books. We publish Bible studies or curriculum. And we do events. So books are the typical trade books where we focus on church helps, church leadership, but we our largest genre or imprint is in family ministry. We have an academic line as well. And then we do the traditional item like curriculum, uh, like you would use in your small group, life group, Sunday school. And then we host various events throughout the year, uh, one of our biggest ones being the D6 conference that we're most known for. Well, I want to talk with you, and I'm going to invite our listeners to hang on for a little bit, because I'm not going to start with the conference, but be sure you stay on this podcast long enough to hear about the D6 conference. You'll, you'll be amazed, and you're going to want to be there. So let's just start with your calling to family ministry. You're, yes, you're a publisher. You do a lot of great work and printing good materials. And, you know, when you said Sunday school, I'm thinking, how many of those are left? You know, that's a, know. That's a tough industry right now, but still, small groups are out there, and, and we all need more content for our small groups. Absolutely. You know, one, one of the things about uh, small group Sunday school, uh, you're, Dr. Green, I'm sure you do this with all the guests you're on and, and the way you travel and speak. One of the items that blesses my heart and, and helps enrich me as a, a lifelong learner is to watch successful ministry leaders and lead pastors. And so for 10 or 15 years, as I travel and get to be in some of the most vibrant, wonderful churches around the country of various denominations, I ask myself, what are the ingredients that's helping them be healthy? And I will tell you whether or not we would agree that nomenclature of Sunday school or life group or small group, you know, whatever nomenclature we want to call it, one item that is indicative of healthy churches is they have some small group uh, element that connects people together organically and in some community, and there's an accountability where they are studying God's Word, growing and developing more disciples. Right. You know that's such such a slippery slope. Pastors are afraid of what goes on. They lose control of their small groups. If there's not a defined curriculum, it gets kind of scary to a pastor to know what's going on out there. What are these groups talking about? 
That's right. And, and you know, one of the items that we did at Randall House about, uh, well, it was 2004, we dismantled the traditional Sunday school small group curriculum as we knew it, mm-hmm. and we launched something called, at that time it was called Clear Curriculum, and it stood for the trademark learning system that we have in place still today. We, we have the trademark learning system called Clear, Connect, Learn, Explore, Apply, Respond. That's so every good. teacher's book walks through how to connect to that class, give them the lesson, explore it a little deeper, apply it to everyday life, and then you repeat that depending on how many points in there, learn, explore, apply, learn, explore, apply. And then the respond is, you're leading this small group. What are you going to do with it this week? Mm-hmm. And so when we dismantled the traditional model, one of the items we launched with was family ministry cu- curriculum, where yeah. every age is on the same page and the whole family gets to study the same biblical topic at an appropriate age depth mm-hmm. of scripture. And, so families uh, can have now, home Bible studies. Yeah, that's right. So so they study something in church, but then they go home with their devotional study guide and their daily Bible readings are still aligned so that when, you know, Ethan or, you know, um, Amanda comes home from school and they talk about some problem they're having, well, mom and dad can immediately reference what they're reading that way as a spiritual faith talk. Hey, you know what our reading was yesterday? Here's how it will help. Mm-hmm. And it keeps us from doing opinion-based conversations and gives us some scriptural backing when we give advice to our kids. That's family ministry opportunity. It's yes. a tool. And that reduces some of the sage on stage where there's a leader of that group and who takes uh, personality approaches to leading a group. That's right. Or they want to teach just from the Bible, or they want to teach a book. Or their you know, own I get, catechism. I get, Oh, yes, yes. And I get that there are some great materials out there. Those are good for electives, but there's something to be said by putting the family, immersing them in the same areas so that they can be enriched when they're not at church. So there's a fraction, Dr. Green, that would help us here. It's called 1 over 168. Okay. And think about that fraction for just a moment. Okay. Can you, can you cut a piece of pie into slices of 1 over 168? I can't. Uh-uh. <laughs> I just can't cut cut a cake. I mean, that's such a tiny sliver. Mm -hmm. But yet our research shows, and and anybody listening can look at your own church and say, the average person, regardless of age, gets one hour of discipleship on average a week, and it comes from 30 minutes in either the lead pastor's message, the student pastor, or the children's uh, pastor's message, and 30 minutes in a small group, life group, or Sunday school class. And we have t-shirts. It is horrible, and so we have these T-shirts printed up, and all that's on the front of them is 1 over 168, and every time we wear these, and our people who have attended the conference always buy these, they wear them. Every time you wear them, people say, what is that? And that gives you an immediate opportunity to share about family ministry, but on the back of the shirt, we have the phrase, it's not enough, and then our website there. And that's the thing. Churches should not try to do this alone. We need to be empowering parents to spiritually develop their kids, which, by the way, is where D6 comes from, Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's good. That's strong. Do you have the verse in mind that that D6 represents? Absolutely. Deuteronomy 6, the whole chapter, but specifically verses 4 through Mm 7. And and that chapter basically says, and, and this is a command, these are the commands, not suggestions. It's the Shema. It's what it's a sacred passage, and it's what God intended. The verses four through seven says, 
you know, you're to love me, love my word, and by modeling and saturating your your daily lives, your kids will pick up on it. Mm-hmm. How many ways are we like our moms or dads, good or bad? Too many. Habits? Yes. Our worldview is derived from our parents. We take our cues from our moms and dads growing up. And the primary spiritual disciples of people today are moms and dads, no matter how much time they spend in church. They tend to adopt what their moms and dads do, and we've got to get mom and dad to quit delegating all the spiritual development to happen solely at church that one hour out of the 168. That's right. Moms and dads have about 30 to 40 hours of influence throughout the week that they can spend in just intentionality of conversations with mm-hmm. their kids. So good. I had a guest on last week that spoke about uh, the importance of speaking Jesus in the home and doing a better job of focusing on the person of Jesus now, not not what he was or what he will be, but who he is now. And and I all I could think of is how many homes could be teaching that through some kind of yes. formal program to really make sure we focus on the right things. That's right. That's right. I had a chance to take my kids to a place called the JH Ranch and I heard Bruce Johnson tell about the four C's of parenting and I think it's really relevant here because parents don't understand how to navigate the seasons of parenting. When a child is born from birth to about two, the parent is the caregiver, literally doing everything, you know, dressing, changing, burping, everything, feeding, you know. And then from two to about 11 or 12, they become the top. And that's where you teach a little bit of the consequences in love, whatever method, but you're, you're teaching boundaries because they're exploring and they don't know their boundaries. Mm-hmm. But when they get to be 11 or 12, you're to transition into what's called the coach. You see, God is creating tiny humans that are meant to grow up and be adults making their own decisions. So the parents can't make all decisions while they're growing up. They've got to develop that decision-making process while they're young. 12 so to what age? Into, what's 12 to 18. 12 to 18. Okay. So that's where you become the coach. And uh, then when they become 18, they're adults. Mm-hmm. Our law recognizes them as adults, so parents automatically become the consultant. We don't control anymore. Parents might think they can, but we need, and by the way, here's the cool part of this, Dr. Green. There's a, a relationship between discipleship and leadership. You and I were discussing leadership off the air. Yes. But the two are synonymous because we inspire people to want to adopt the right decisions. When we disciple our families in real family ministry, it's when our kids want to do what is right, not they have to do what is right. Yes. And that's how we set that up, even in our curriculum teaching. We're not obligated to obey God. We get to obey and do things Amen. for God. Preach that one. So, four C's. You know, you got the caregiver, you got the cop, you got the coach, you got the consultant. And we need to help parents navigate out of the cop into the coaching, and that's where they get hung up. They get yes. stuck in the cop mode that's too good. long. Dr. Hunter, I see a fifth C. I'm going to have to add to your research. There's The fifth C is from about 1920 plus. It's called Cash Giver. Cash Giver. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> now, That's a good one. It's, no. uh, it's from experience that now that I have grandchildren, I'm still doing this. And uh, can, I, can I borrow that when I teach this? Absolutely. I just need a 15% fee. <laughs> you got it. Because we all no, work. Go ahead. I act, I actually throw in a fifth C on this one. I call it the copter because there's that helicopter parent. Yeah, that's, kind of hub, that's good. Early, all the way through. Everyone who hears you will have their own fifth C, right? Everybody's, they will. They will. 
Thank That's you. good. This is, but I think yours is better than mine. It's just an experiential see. I know that. Yes, so, it is. Can you tell me a little bit? I mean, I just hear the the parent and the coach in you, and and obviously a family pastor. Tell me how God drew you into family ministry. Absolutely, I was pastoring in uh, South Florida. And uh, I pastored for 11 years prior to coming to Randall House now, just mm-hmm. about 16 years ago. And so it was firsthand for me. I watched, and my, our kids, my wife and I have been married uh, just over 30 years now, and our kids are grown. They're 23 and 24 right now. They're both just married less than a year. They're, both couples are in church serving Christ, doing well. Mm-hmm. But it, we, we didn't always have smooth path through this. Right. But when they were really small, I'm talking preschool and early elementary, I was pastoring and working with our older teenagers and our middle school teenagers, and I was watching before all the books were written on family ministry, okay? This would have been early 90s, uh-huh. and there was only a handful of books out there even on this topic at that point. Yeah. But what was happening in our churches is our kids were getting their driver's license and driving away from the church. Mm-hmm. And moms and dads were buying cars for them and saying, okay, you need help paying for gas money or insurance money or the car payment. I even saw kids in our church who they couldn't go to college anymore because they now had this debt. And it wasn't even a very large debt, but it altered the trajectory of their lives. Oh what it was was a worldview. Moms and dads said, here's your new priorities. It wasn't God-centered. It wasn't Christ-centered. It wasn't Scripture-centered. It was career-centered. It was, hey, I give you a car. We're going to play football. We're going to play travel ball. Not that any of these are wrong, but when the focus is whether or not they can get a scholarship or they can get you know, the best career, the best paying, whatever it is, you're teaching a worldview to your kids. And so I began to examine where we were in our church, and I had a friend come in, kind of a consultant, and he said, Ron, if you want to build a strong student ministry, team ministry, start with your kids. Yes. And I thought, okay, we do this in reverse. Most churches want to hire a student pastor first when we might should be hiring a children's pastor, develop a strong children's program. And here's the key, Dr. Green. A children's pastor's responsibility is not to the children solely. It's to the children plus their parents. A student mm-hmm. pastor is not responsible solely for the students, but for the students plus their parents. Yes. That's family ministry. Well, that's and a good we definition. Tend to isolate them. I like that we, definition. We to, yeah, we tend to isolate it, but family ministry is generational, and we've got to get mom and dad in there partnering with us in the church so that when the sermons are preached, the, the, the lessons are taught, it doesn't end when they walk off campus. Mm-hmm. But they get to talk about it all the way through the week, and if you can give them a tool where that alignment occurs, or questions are asked about the sermon, or something's intentional, so that they can begin to reflect and not isolate, that's when it, the, the real power happens. So how can parents right now step up and be more intentional in, in the areas that you teach in? And let's just begin with disciplining or some of the hard things that parents deal with. Oh, yes. Well, what, you just mentioned disciplining, Dr. Discipling, Green. either way. What, what, what's the, I was going to say, what's the root word of discipline? Sure. Our parents are always disciplining their kids. But at the heart of it, it's not punitive, it's discipling. Right. It's corrective, redemptive. And so the one area I would suggest, let's go back to those four C's for a moment. We're always putting boundaries in our kids, but if, I, I took, took Bruce's idea of the four C's and I did Venn diagrams. And I realize this is a podcast that's full. But listen to me for a second and visualize this. As the caregiver, those two circles, the one circle representing the parent, one circle representing the child, 
there's a huge overlap from birth to two. You're around them most of the hours of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of interaction. When they become, when you get into the cop stage and the child goes off to school, there's a lot less overlap, but there's still more overlap than there is when they get to be teenagers. Right. There's just a small wedge when they're a teenager. So when we see our kids in the teenage years, the first thing we tend to do is correct. Hey, you didn't make your bed. You didn't take out the trash. You didn't do the dishes. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, we don't see them so often, so we're quickly having to shoot uh, barking orders, so to speak, or, or trying to get them to do what we want them to do. And our kids are feeling affirmation from their peers, but they're feeling correction and discipline from us. Right. And who do you think they're going to listen to then? Mm-hmm. Not us. The people who are affirming them. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would suggest that parents can do is to have conversation with their kids. Well, let's talk and about that. How do we do that? Particularly, we, yeah. so many people are listening right now that would say, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that. How, how can we get from dysfunctional to functional through conversation? things I would suggest. One's very easy, and the earlier you can do this, the better. You know, if you can teach your kids before they become teenagers, this will become more of a normal to them rather than, what's dad and mom trying to do now, you know? Mm -hmm. But when our kids were small, my wife and I taught our kids how to play the tennis ball game. And literally, we got a ball, and we said, okay, how was your day? And we would toss the ball to them. Right. And we taught our kids that they had to answer the question, And in order to toss the ball back to mom or dad, they had to ask us a question. It's the art of conversation. And so all we need to do is teach our kids how to converse by asking questions. You ever get around people, Dr. Green, and all all they want to do is talk, 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 and you don't... I have some friends like this, and all i got to do is plan two or three questions, and I can sit quiet. I, I walk away from the conversation totally worn out, but... I don't have to put in any any effort into it other than ask some questions because they they don't mind talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live that every day. So we need to teach our kids the art of asking questions and to to toss that ball back and forth. Mm-hmm. Then once they get the questions back and forth, that's the start. And in in the book that I wrote, the DNA of D six, there's a chapter in there called "Helping Parents Dive Deep." It's chapter ten. And it is about snorkels. It's actually called sandcastles, snorkels, and scuba is the illustration I give there. Sandcastles is when we go to the beach, the majority of the people are on the the seashore, on the beach. They're laying on on towels and chairs. They're building sandcastles. But the bulk of the people are there, and it's crowded. But there's a few people that are out waiting in the water, and they might, you know, might be on you know, some boards or floaties or whatever. And I call that the snorkel area. It's where you're getting a little bit deeper, but you're not real deep. Okay. And then there's a few people, very few, that will strap on a tank and go deeper into the ocean and see the beauty of God's creation down below the surface. Mm. Those are the levels of conversation. Most parents can handle, hey, how was your day? Good, good. And they ask general questions that we would ask any stranger in the grocery store or an elevator. That's, but very few true. parents want to put on a snorkel and go, oh, well, how'd that make you feel? Mm-hmm. What'd you do about it? And carry on a conversation where you can coach, listen, coach, listen, and dive deep. Because unless you get to the snorkel level, you can't influence the value level, which is always at the scuba level. And you, you can't can, do it from the, the cop level because they stop no, talking to you. No, you cannot. That's right. So the sand, the sand shore the, is, is that top of mind. You're figuring out what's going on, keeping track of them. 
But everybody can do that with anyone. The ones who care will dive a little deeper into the historical go, well, how'd that make you feel? How did you respond? And then that's when the child will go, well, I was sick because the coach benched me. Or I didn't like that because the teacher marked that one wrong. Well, what'd you do? How'd you respond? We're shaping their values and their beliefs and their worldview when we ask those kinds of questions at a snorkel level, because at the scuba level, that's where they're established. Let's talk through that. What does God's Word have to say about that? Mm-hmm. What did our lesson have to say Sunday about that? Good. Those are coachable moments, and if we remember how to dive deeper, the art of conversation changes everything in the home. We're visiting with Dr. Ron Hunter. Obviously, he's a pastoral caregiver in family ministry, as well as the CEO of Randall House Printing, which is his full-time job. But, Dr. Hunter, let's talk specifically then about this conference that you call the D6 Conference. I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. And before we do that, I want to also make sure that we give out a website. If you want to connect with Dr. Hunter, you can do that at d6family.com. If some of what he's saying connects with you and you want it for yourself or for others that you know, or maybe even your own small group, d6family.com. Now let's talk a little bit about what you're up to with the D6 Conference. Absolutely. The D6 Conference, we started this 10 years ago and launched it. And the D6 Conference was an attempt to bring people together around the idea of family ministry and discipleship. And we thought, you know what, let's not make this about any one entity. And from the very beginning, we invited in other publishers like ourselves, other parachurch organizations like Family Life, Focus on the Family, Lifeway, David C. Cook, I go on and on down the list of, of people who have been with us from, from the beginning and said, hey, bring, bring your very best family ministry speakers. Let's get together in a room. Let's talk about this, and let's combine both main stage and breakouts and learn on a peer level what's going on. And so back in 2009, it launched and was overwhelmingly blessed by God in ways we could not imagine. That's good. And since then, every year we've had basically around 50 total speakers, 5-0, speaking every year, 12 to 14 from the main stage. And in fact, this year, I was, uh, in fact, I was just walking the property, Dr. Green. Mm-hmm. We're going to have 17 breakout rooms. So that every breakout you go to, you have 17 options. You pick one, and there's going to be five of those that you can pick from. And you get to you get to go hear people speak from main stage or from breakouts, such as Dr. John Trent, Dr. Lee Strobel, Kyle Eidelman, Jeff Wallace, Brian Haynes, Sissy Goff, Dr. Timothy Paul Jones. Uh, we have a guest um, many would recognize from uh, the TV show on. Uh, the reality show from her parents, the Robertson family, Sadie Robertson, mm-hmm. and uh, very excited about having her, Jim Weidman, and uh, Dale Hudson, a great children's uh, ministry leader, Richard Ross, uh, uh, founder of True Love Waits and, and spokesperson for See You at the Poll. Um, Meredith Andrews is going to be leading worship for us. Wow. Robbie Gallaty, who talks about D-groups. Mm-hmm. Anna Gresh, Secret Keeper Girl. Lanita Fix. Jason Gaston, the family pastor from the Summit Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an incredible lineup. John Holm Street, who has replaced Chuck Colson as the director of the Colson Center for Biblical Worldview. Right. Uh, again, I can go on and on. There's so many. And here's what we want to do. We want to get this. We people often say this is the conference you bring your whole team to, and it's true because there's conferences out there dedicated just for lead pastors or 
just for student pastors or just for children's ministry. We put all of these lineups on the main stage. We'll have things for every lens of family ministry, and most churches will bring their team, and they'll strategize while on site and in the weeks following it so that they can evaluate their strategy for how they're doing church at both home and at church, how they're doing ministry at home and church. So when is your next D6 conference? It's coming up soon, September, isn't it? Yeah, it is. September 19, 20, and 21 in the uh, Raleigh-Durham, Charlotte, Greensboro area. It's actually in Greensboro, so I'd highly recommend flying into RDU mm-hmm. or if you're in the area and driving, but it's in Greensboro. It's a beautiful property there, and uh, I tell you what, it, you come... This is a place that you'll say, I've got to be back every year. That's what seems to happen to our, our tribe. God has just blessed it. By the way, Dr. Green, it, between now and September, God has blessed us globally. Um, it is going to be for the third year in Singapore. Oh, my. That's and that will, have, that, that will happen at the end of July. It will be in Malaysia for the first time and in South Korea for the first time. And then spring of next year, it will be the fourth time in France. That's outstanding. What great news that just it is. get this message worldwide. God, God's heartbeat has always been family ministry. That's why Deuteronomy 6 said, in the family, as you go, do these things. Mm-hmm. He said in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. He meant his image. Look at Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The psalmist said, teach these to the next generation so even the generations not yet born will know my name and know my works. Yes. He closes the Old Testament saying, I want to turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers and the fathers to the children. He opens Luke with the fulfillment of that, of Jesus coming, going, I'm going to turn the hearts back. Paul talks about fathers, bring your kids up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He speaks to Timothy and says, remember what your mother and your grandmother taught you? The Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's always been family, Old and New Testament. It's truth. You're speaking the absolute truth. And I'm excited because I think you've already got plans for the next few years of where you're going to host the D6 conference. Are you ready to talk we about do. that? You know? We do know. We can't release it until we get to September, Dr. Okay. Green. So I'll after tell September. you all here, and so I will trust you with it. Oh, I'm not going to release it. I'll just put it on the <laughs> cover of Charisma. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> We do. We're looking forward to it, and we That's already right. are inviting keynote speakers for the for the upcoming year. No, well, I surely wouldn't release anything you told me. That's why I asked you. <laughs> More information: the d six conference dot com is a good place. They can find it at d six family as well, right? That's correct. d six family dot com. You can find all the resources from all these great speakers, regardless of the publisher label. We're, we're we just want to host the best family resources. There is a church health assessment there, free of charge. If you go there and click on the DNA uh, icon there, it's d6family.com forward slash DNA. You can download a free church health assessment that will measure 10 different areas of family ministry in your church and see if you are healthy, at risk, or dying. I would suggest you go and, and download one of those and get all of your teachers or leaders to take it, combine the results, and see how you're doing. Great idea. We need to send people to that site immediately take a look at it. So just before we close this podcast, we're out of time. But Dr. Hunter, I want you to finish us here with a, a, a thought about leadership. Of If you could say anything to young pastors of families or at, at any age group, of someone coming into leadership and their job is to help families stay together, pray together, do the things that families should be doing. What advice for a leader would you offer? Well, 
I, I would advise them to be human, be vulnerable, but to ask the question, what am I going to do to equip the home rather than just making what happens on campus excellent? I, I, I've sat in enough conference rooms with church staffs to where it seems like 100% of the intent is, okay, this is what happened this past Sunday, this, did, this is what didn't go so well, here's what went well, and they only want to talk about what happens next Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think what I would advise is keep Sunday excellent, but figure out how to equip moms and dads to be excellent doing ministry also. Do less ministry and help parents do more ministry. That's so good. That would be the, the key for, for what I would suggest. Well, that'd be a good piece of advice, really, for any educator in any school system. Yes. Is to get the parents absolutely. more involved, right? Well, they, we, we do it at any, any sports league. Parents, uh, I mean, educators want the parents involved with any academia. And you look at any child who exceeds in any one of those, they typically have an involved parent. Mm-hmm. It's good, and, and you know we've got a lot of issues in our society now, and you're dealing with it by being very proactive with great content. So I right. really appreciate you spending time with us. Again, your website, I'm gonna, I hope folks will just go there today and check it out, d6family.com. Dr. Runheiner, don't miss his conference in September of uh, 19th through 21st in the Raleigh-Durham area in Greensboro. So, Dr. Hunter, any last word? Dr. Green, it's been an honor to be with you. You're a leader. You're a tremendous spokesperson for the body of Christ. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, sir. And I really appreciate you and your work. And please keep leading people and leading families to the Lord. I'm Steve Green. God bless you all. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.